0: streaming on Paramount+. You're ready,
1: Bob. Well, all
0: right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. You it's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.
1: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7.
2: The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant
1: goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted.
0: Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It
2: was like a radio station.
0: Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure amp, yeah. a transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold Sets so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into it. A couple of things I want to highlight this week. Uh, Before we do that, though, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you so much for enjoying another presentation of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. We would not be here over a decade and going strong without you, the listener. A couple of ways to get this podcast, uh, you can get it at horners247.com. There's a pull-down tab where you can get it, or the best way, and the easiest way to make sure you get it every week. Anywhere you get your podcasts, search Horns 24-7. That is the numbers 2, 4, and 7. Smash together, no dashes, slashes, or spaces. Click that follow button when you find it and get every episode of the Blitz whenever it drops. Um, and if you'd be so kind, please leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Let me bring in the rest of the team along for the ride. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily... Fantasy guru, he is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Tremendous. And the third member of our team, he wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball do Lie with Mike Harge from 3-7, to seven. taking you home on your drive time in and around the great city of Austin. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that C-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate that. Rod, man. I'm not going to lie. I was dragging coming in here, but your intro, rattling that off, that got me going. I'm glad, man. That's what it's, it's about. It's like, I feel like the ultimate warrior now. Got, it, got the juice floating through the veins. <laughs> <laughs> False enthusiasm, man, like Kwame Kavil always
2: said. Does, it does indeed.
0: Two things I wanted to talk about one is roster construction, and I'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute. but To piggyback on the end of our conversation from last week about the three special assistants that were hired, Mm -hmm. uh, Payam Saydat is the one hire we didn't talk about. And the more I read about him, Rod, I just did a little bit of rabbit-holing, the more I read, the more I'm fascinated about that hire, mainly because when you look at the style of defense he played, the double-eagle flex, uh, you know, it was the the desert sworn defense that Mm -hmm. people associated Dick Tomey and Dwayne Aquino with. It's that same, it's the same style of defense. And basically it's the, the utilization of hybrid players, which when you look at the Texas defensive front, and we talked about it, kind of how with the edge position, really that position opposite of Baron Sorrell, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to kind of money ball it. And I don't know that PK truly has, I think he's got the, the bodies, the potential to have but the true hybrid edge guys that he wants but they're not there yet, right? Like Justice Finkley, Ethan Burke, Jamon Tab, definitely Colton Vosick. They're just not there yet. Yeah. So you look at last year's defense, like DeMarvin Obershaw basically became a hybrid player mm-hmm. for PK. And I think when you look at this year's squad, I think a guy like, like a Mo Blackwell can be a hybrid player. I think you can use a guy like Anthony Hill as a hybrid player. So I think, Rod, you know, and we talk about the role of the special assistants, and, again, I think it can get convoluted where people think, like, oh, man, it's this advantage, it's this advantage. Well, really, special assistants should do two things, I think. One is help get you ready, do all the work you don't have time to do to get ready for the next opponent during the mm-hmm. season. And two, especially during this time of year and, and those early parts of camp where you're finalizing some roster things, they should be able to help you accurately self-scout. And when I say accurately, you can self-scout, but you can self-scout the wrong way and misjudge the talent or the depth or whatever it is on your roster at a specific position. So I look at the uh, Piam Sedat higher, and I think it serves two functions for PK, Rod. Right? I think, one, you've got guys like Blackwell and Hill, and to a lesser extent, some of those edge guys figure out the proper ways to deploy them, and even to a lesser extent, you know, a guy like Jaday Barron, who's physical in the box as your nickel, uh, a guy like Jalen Catalan, who can do some of those same things, figure out how to use your hybrid players. And then two, I think you've got to figure out a way to manufacture more impactful pressure on the quarterback. You didn't have a problem generating pressure last year. And it's not just the sack numbers. It's you got to get tip balls. you got to make the quarterback rush a throw. You've got to get him off the launch point. Whatever it is, your pressure has to matter. And I think that's really two things that Payam Payam Sadak can do for PK. Again, the hybrid players, and I don't know where you are, Rod, but I think you look at the way he's just drawing up blitzes in the double-eagle flex. PK's not a big blitz guy. He hasn't been a big blitz guy. But when they did it last year, they were really effective in it. I think it's just doing it at a higher percentage because you go back and look at the numbers – For Texas, when the blitz rates were – when their blitz rate was really high, that was some of their better games they played last year.
2: Um, Yeah, I think that's just um, a byproduct of them being aggressive in the game plan, right? Texas is better when they were aggressive in game plans. That's why they want to go and play more man coverage and they want to play more bump and run. They want to be the aggressor on defense instead of being uh, essentially on their heels a lot of the time and reacting to what other teams are doing. They would like to actually kind of force the issue more. And kind of goes what you're saying too about the pressure. Texas applied pressure last year, uh, but what you want are havoc plays. Yes. You know, is something my man Matt Butler was big on years ago, right? Havoc rate. That's just overall your splash plays on defense for the most part. Whether you're talking about interceptions or pass deflections or you know fumbles you know, PBs, all that kind of stuff, right? Tackles for loss. Uh, Those are your kind of splash plays on defense. That's what you want more of. And that's what Texas did not really have last year. They didn't have a lot of splash plays. And, you know, you know, we know that Sark has a connection with Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn, uh, you know, came and spoke uh, to Sark and spoke with Sark at his uh, coaching clinic at one time too. Uh, Dan Quinn actually has an interesting philosophy, you know, because nobody kind of majors in in positionless football on defense like Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn doesn't blitz a lot with the Cowboys. Play a lot of man coverage, right? Their man coverage rate is pretty damn high. Mm -hmm. It's probably top five in the NFL. They don't actually blitz a ton. What they do is they do a lot of stunts. A lot of twists, a lot of games they play up front. Um, so it gives off the illusion that there is, um, like, added pressure or additional pressure, but it's really not. He's just confusing blocking schemes. Mm-hmm. And you can do that when you have a lot of hybrid players, right, positionless football players, guys you can move around the chessboard. And if I would say that, you know, right now, if I could predict where I think – Kwiatkowski is going to go with the Payam Sadat uh, hire. It's that number one, what Sadat's going to bring in is a lot of FCS, like basically kind of coverage in schemes, Mm -hmm. Um, fronts too. Things are just unfamiliar. To this level of football uh, Andy Reid is famous for saying you got to go to the lower level of football to find out where they're experimenting the most. Mm-hmm. Right? He's like he always says college game is five years ahead of the NFL. High school five years ahead of college football. Just because you have the people there are experimenting and they have the job security to do so. How yeah. are you going to the NFL? You experiment. You fail. You're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Only a couple of coaches at the NFL level can, can really start experimenting with stuff because yeah. they got to have job security to be doing. Otherwise people are like man you're an idiot. When yeah. it fails to go yeah. you're an idiot. People uh, called
1: the uh, in- read an idiot in Philly for a long time. Yeah, too. and he, a lot
2: of uh, his experimentation, but he proved over time, no, yep. he's a great football theorist and he's a hell of a, a head coach too. And people have called out Belichick before, and that, mm-hmm. like I said, John Harbaugh has been called out about analytics and stuff before. You when you when But you got to have job security to do yep. that. And at the lower levels, you got a little job security. People don't care if you experiment too much, just, you know, win a few games. The expectations are not as high. And I do think at the FCS level, they're doing the same things. Everybody is still with. Pretty much is divvying up the same responsibilities and roles within the defensive structure with your defenders, but you just make it look different. It's got to, you got to, you got to dress it up a little bit differently. Uh, I do think that's going to be probably the biggest thing he's going to bring to the table. It's going to look a lot different, and that's a big part of being able to create turnovers. Right, one of the things that that the, going back to the Cowboys. I don't know why the Cowboys are on my mind a lot today, but they are. Uh, you know, the Cowboys use more three safety defenses, big nickels, big dimes uh, than any team in the NFL. And that is intentional. That's deliberate because Dan Quinn wants to be able to confuse not only blocking schemes, but he wants to be able to confuse quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Best way to confuse quarterbacks, the only, the, 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 the only defenders on the defensive side of the ball that are actually involved in the pre-snap chess match really with the quarterback And that can see the quarterback and see his eyes, or the linebacker, that middle linebacker there, uh, or that off-ball linebacker. Who have you got playing close to line of scrimmage within the box and those safeties? Mm -hmm. And I think Dan Quinn has got those guys like working pre-snap wise to confuse. The hell out of defenses. So you, I'm mean, sorry, offenses. You combine the fact that they stunt and twist and they play more games up front than anybody else defensively, and you got three safeties that are constantly rotating and moving, right? I mean, this is, we talk about this even in the Big 12 with the three yeah. high, three down back. Hell, Sark still struggles with the three high, three down. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because it, it confuses quarterbacks. It messes up your RPO reads. Yeah. It, it messes up the pre snap read. You can move safeties around so much. They can play high. They can come down in the box. They can come down to the slide. They can blitz. They can play zone. They can do so many different thing be the whole player and because there are so many different possible responsibilities for the safety it pretty much the quarterback's guessing a lot of uh, positions he's not guessing he knows exactly what they're doing he Knows exactly what that that corner is doing and can identify that and it's all about you know he knows exactly a lot of time what that defensive end is going to do mm-hmm. but that's why dan quinn is trying to confuse everything that's why the twist up, up front so that quarterback everything he sees pre-snap it, it it it's very different than what he sees post-snap. Yeah. And I think that's what, I, I, I. this is me just spitballing, I think that's what Pete Kwiatkowski wants to get back to because that'll create havoc plays. And who's led the NFL in takeaways and turnovers the last two years? The Dallas Cowboys. First team since the the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Steel Curtain to lead the NFL in takeaways and back-to-back years. And they don't blitz a lot, yep. all right? and they play a lot of man-to-man. And we know Texas plays a lot of man-to-man. Texas doesn't blitz a ton. They don't want to blitz a ton. I think football theorists are... Working behind the scenes and looking at Dan Quinn and saying, you know what, that's maybe that might be the best defense in the league right now. It's hard to really replicate exactly. But you can take some of those concepts, and Texas might be in a position to take some concepts. We also talked about Texas potentially this year playing some three safeties, yeah, you know, right? Because you got a you know kind of a, a luxury uh, and an embarrassment of riches at safety and at DB even this year. You can play some dime and play some three safety packages if you want to, and if they are versatile enough, going back to jeff's point mm-hmm. if they are, are are truly you know their height their their skill sets are, are, are kind of set in that hybridism role that we've been talking about then you can put some of those guys in the box you can and blur they those won't lines be exploited as just dbs on the field yeah. who can cover
1: but can't tackle and that's where you can use those players skill sets those tweeners or whatever to blur yeah. those lines because first like you're talking about when they're trying to get up to the line like whenever you hear the quarterback yelling you know the oh, Mike is, you know, fifty two is a mic or whatever. It's because the numbers are based off of where the mic is off standard football formation. So you know where the strong side is and what's going on, and then you can base what's mm-hmm. going off the weak side. Well, if you start to blur who that mic is, or you have guys sh- shifting late, the way you were talking about, mm-hmm. or using stunts and twists to move that to where, like we see offenses counter that stuff yep. with motion to change their numbers from one side to the other. But then when you add, like, the three guys at the safety... Then you add like say Your two linebackers You're trying to blur the images Between say Is this guy going to be On the strong side Or is this guy going to be Stepping back And then you don't know Which safety is going to be Doing which job If you have three of them It's just changing that picture For the quarterback Pre-snap And that's the main thing We hear it in all the sports You hear it in You know basketball Always trying to give A different look to people But even with pitchers And pitches You don't want to tip pitches You want to be able to make All your pitches look the same It's the idea of Making those things be confusing to the batter so they can't get that one-two tendency that they can read pre-snap, and it's the same thing that also I've always brought back to why Tom Herman's offense got so predictable. Because of the 11, it's the same look, and if you're Mm -hmm. simplifying the image for the opposition, you're just making step one easier for them, and they can move to step two. And if you can constantly do this and then blur the lines between the players' skill sets, then blur even, like, say, after they've made their reads and you stunt and twist and start to throw it off. It's a way to constantly be making things be a little more confusing, just enough to make them think, just enough to make that hesitation. You have to slow
2: down their... Their mental process. Yes, and that's right? going to slow and down their physical down. play.
1: Exactly. And that's going to make so, them, when you're always wondering you a half a how, how's that yeah. fast guy getting beat by this guy that's fat, quit, yeah. not as fast as him while well, he's processing and hesitating. And it makes uh, guys that play, when you t- hear coaches talk about playing fast and all those things, a lot of the times when they're talking about pace and stuff like that, processing is allowing you to play that fast because you're able to calculate what's going on and you can
0: get to your next assignment or your next step.
1: When you're talking about exotics
0: on defense, and I this is something that I was told, I don't know, probably about 10, 12 years ago by somebody who had coached in the NFL. And I, I, the more I've watched football since then and try to watch it through this lens, and I don't know, maybe it's confirmation bias on my part, but I, I've really, I you really do see it. Uh, and, Rod, I, I go back to the, the defenses you played on, really kind of the the one and the O 2 the, I'm sorry, the 2000 and the 2001 defense. Uh, you guys didn't need to blitz a lot, you know, because when you had Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers, and you know, Quentin Jammer and, you know, the, the, the next year was Nathan Vasher on the back end and Corey Redding had a big year. Uh, you, you didn't really need – you could manufacture – your pressure was organic. Your havoc mm-hmm. plays came organically. And it's I really think – I really think it places like like Texas, and we're seeing it now Texas back then, uh, Miami back then, Oklahoma back then, and I think you see it now with Georgia and and when they've got it right, Alabama, Mm -hmm. Uh, Clemson definitely is this way. You look at PK's Washington defenses. If you're one of the true, if you're able to, if you're in, if you're a blue blood or you're stepping right up to that line, like I think Washington's kind of in that group. you know, with the Pacific Northwest, there's enough talent between there and California up and down the West Coast. You can field it. And they made the playoff. You can field a competitive roster. Uh, when you're doing it right in recruiting, you, shouldn't, you should have the horses on that side of the ball. You don't need to do a ton of exotics because something you also told me, Rod, in many years ago, defense is the one side of the ball where you win with players. You, have to. you can mask deficiencies to an extent with scheme on offense. Scheme mm. on offense can get you a long way. It can't get you the whole way, but it can get you a long way. You can only do that so far on defense before, I even mean, if you don't have the horses. You're just, like Oklahoma in 2019 is a perfect example. That was a defense with Alex Grinch. They were they, they were an adequate defense for what they needed to do to get by in the Big 12. Yeah. What happened when they played LSU? They didn't have the horses and they got exposed big time by Joe Burrow in that offense. So to your point, Rod, when you talk about innovation and experimentation at the lower levels of football, a lot of times when you're doing that, you're trying to make up for a talent discrepancy by saying, okay, we don't have, we're just not talented. We're going to have to come up with some kind of funky blitzes or, or, or mugging or pre snap movement, twist stunts, whatever we've, we've got to. Basically, create an advantage that's not there. That's why I think you do see a lot of experimentation at those lower levels or at the higher levels. It's teams where there is that talent gap and they say, Hey, we, we just got like John Haycock. That's how he came up with the three safety defense was that Thursday against Texas. They just stuck with their dime package, like, Well, it, it's working. Like, we we'll just stick with this as our base defense. We'll just keep this and roll with it. And they did. And they found something that kind of revolutionized defense in the Big 12. So I think that's why bringing in a guy like uh, Paim Sedat is is interesting too because to going back to your point, Rod, when you talk about needing to come up with something at the lower levels of football, a lot of times you you don't see it at at big blue blood schools because, again, if you're doing it the right way in recruiting, you shouldn't need to do that stuff. And not to say that you're going to go, you can't go Manny Diaz and just go do a complete 180 and just go all in on that style of football. But if you sprinkle it in every now and then and use it wisely, it can be... You know, for like a pitcher in baseball, it can be met that, you know, third or fourth pitch that you need to mm-hmm. to finish off your arsenal.
2: Yeah. I mean, you don't need a lot of it. Like, and I agree with you. But for a for a, a program like Texas, that the biggest issues have been talent development and schematic advantage. Mm-hmm. They don't have a problem with talent acquisition. Now, I guess culture, you can throw that out there too. <laughs> culture has been an That's issue. That's the toughest one in sports, um, though. To yeah, perfect. the culture it thing evolves. is tough to figure out. But it's, um, yeah, it's actually, and I was going to, you know, it's, I was listening to Steve Kerr talk about that, the culture thing, too, because him and uh, Pete Carroll were having a conversation one mm-hmm. day about it and how underrated, basically, it is, and people just don't understand it mm-hmm. because you talk about nobody really understands it, but Bill Walsh told uh, Pete Carroll one day, like, hey, man, um, basically he took him aside uh, mm-hmm. when, like, one, I guess we worked for, for while he worked for a San Fran, he went over there, and, and whatever, Pete Carroll said it changed his whole outlook on coaching because he he went culture first yeah Pete Carroll after culture ahead of all the he used to to go talent acquisition was ahead like every coach kind of it you know puts those four tenants somewhere different talent acquisition talent development culture and scheme those Mm -hmm. are pretty much your four you want to build a program organization you got to start with those four and figure out and every coach prioritizes them differently he said he had culture too low and now culture is his number one priority. Yeah, that's it. That's that top thing. Weird. And going back to the Miami Heat NBA mm-hmm. Finals, that's Pat Riley.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Pat Riley
2: after the Heatles, I think after like the first year, there is a report, maybe more of a rumor, mm-hmm. that they wanted Spoelstra fired yeah. early on. Well, even
1: with LeBron, yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. yeah, the meeting, the meeting, the meeting. Yeah, with the Heatles. Yes. Yeah, 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 They wanted Spoel fired early on because like this guy, got know know the hell he's doing, man. He's a film guy. Get this guy the hell out of here. We're superstars. We need to mm-hmm. be coached by. Somebody who, you know, is worthy of this job. And Decent then enough. Pat Riley basically, I said, I was like, don't, don't ever come into my office like that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm Pat freaking Riley. I've mm-hmm. basically been a coach, player, or executive in a, what, 25% a quarter of all the finals in NBA history. 19. Yeah, exactly. And But after that, I believe Pat Riley, because there's some articles about it after that, he kind of turned to culture. Mm-hmm. instead of the talent he was a talent that i he's gotta been get there talent forever. i gotta get talent man i got some talent. he turns him more like no I, I gotta i gotta start prioritizing culture man mm-hmm. culture's got to be my top thing and my he's the old culture now mm-hmm. they're all he want the underdog culture that's what he's got um for texas i do think Sark's did a really good job with the culture uh in this day and age it was just you could argue in college football harder than ever to figure out culture transfer a Man, it's damn near impossible to mm-hmm. fit, to get the culture right, and are done a really good job, especially in Austin too. By the way, Austin's a hard place to get the culture right for a football program, and he's done a really talent talent acquisition has never been a problem for Texas. I don't even like talking about it because it upsets me. Kind of like <laughs> y- you're we had a, a post a, a pre show meeting that I uh, man Jeff got worked up about. We won't get into it because I going to get it worked up again. But yes, to so that that's why yes. that was worked up. Oh, Texas talent acquisition, like shut the hell up. Texas has always it. been the most talented team in the Big Twelve based on talent acquisition. So. Just just shut that noise up. Uh, but talent development has been what's lost in translation with Texas. And give Sark and that coaching staff credit. they done a hell of, jo- hell of a job from year one to year two with talent development. I mean, every, almost every position got better across the board. Yeah. The big issue for Texas right now is schematic advantage. That's their big issue. Mm-hmm. You lost games last season because your schematic advantage didn't give you enough of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is just straight up now. There, you know, Bama, I'm not gonna put that on you. Your starting quarterback goes down versus Bama. I mean, that's just tough. And honestly, watching that game and I ran back and rewatched it not too long ago, that's one of Sark's best coaching jobs he's done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
2: know, it really was offensively like it was. It was marvelous. It was magnifical. It really was. Even, even when he went down, that's we always talk about. Criticize Sark being able to win the chess match, being able to counter whatever the opposing adjustment is, and then being able to go off script, right? Being able to freestyle and improvise as a coach, be a great play caller instead of being just a great coordinator. And in that game, man, I you, you saw a lot of signs of it. But last year, the big adjustment by him was, man, how you win K State, how do you win Iowa State, how do you win Baylor? You just gave it to Bijan and Rose and let them take you home. Smart, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Smart way to do go. Do what you got to do to win. Do what you got to do to win. Get the dub, baby. Get yep, the dub. That's no, all that matters. We'll, get, we'll examine it later on in Rutgers, yeah. Bank. Get the dub. We gonna give you're you. You're gonna survive keep with it that. Moving. Yes. This year, you don't have that. I truly believe you are gonna need a schematic advantage to win these games. We know, and you gonna look at. I mean, in the TCU game, it was waiting. That game was going back and forth. It waited for you to us sch- have a schematic advantage, yeah. and you found it a little too late. You found Jay Witt on the perimeter a little too late. Found the empty formation just a little too late. Little, it's all right. Just a little, just a little too late. All right. And in the Texas Tech game, right? You lost that game because you played the hand instead of playing the man. Jordan yep. McGuire, he's out there rolling the dice, baby. You gotta realize this dude is going this dude is going for it. He Every, is going you don't you see it? Because I see it. I ain't never seen a coach do this before. He's going for it. They got four, the you got three. Right? It's tough on, to do figure that. Figure it out. Something get yeah. him the game. So his feel of the game was off there. Um so I, I think both sides of the ball, everywhere, special teams too, they know we got the talent. It's talent is no longer an issue and shouldn't no longer be an issue. And we're developing pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. All right. We got right now projections have for Texas to have multiple first round picks in the next year's draft based on Jatavian Sanders' second highest rated tight end right now uh, that's that's draftable in next year's draft. The best tight end not named
0: Brock Bowers. Yeah,
2: exactly. Mm -hmm. Xavier Worthy is considered a top five wide receiver that will be coming out next year. Uh, If Quentin Eury takes care of business, people consider him to be a top quarterback prospect. That's first or second round Worthy somewhere in that conversation. Um, So, talents not there issue. development. I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully not an issue anymore. I like where it's headed. Like the culture. Listen, even CDC brought this up. You had, you had a lot of transfers. Guys are staying within the program. That the Malik Murphy thing, Shows you that the NIL game at Texas, shout out to the BMDs, it's on point. That's a big part of the culture these days. Your transfer portal, you're, you know, you're not losing a lot of guys. You're just, you're selective too, and you're, but you're getting the transfer portal. You're not even desperate in the transfer portal. Your biggest issue right now is schematic advantage. That's why they got Joe D Camillas. You're That's why they went, and you know what I mean, and got Paul Chris. That's why I think they got Sadat as well. I think they need a schematic advantage too, and it's, that's, a, that's the game, man. That's the game of interest, yeah. and you don't have enough of it right now. Like
0: i I'm, I'm That's looking, your big weakness. So one thing I did, I went and looked at some of their pressures last year and, and some of their high blitz rate games. Um, like what they did against and, – and every quarterback's numbers under pressure, for the most part, going to be terrible. Uh, Bryce Young last year in that Alabama game, when blitzed, 7 of 13 for 42 yards. Under pressure, 4 for 12 for 35 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that really, really just jumped out to me was the Baylor game. That This was by far their highest blitz rate of the season. They blitz Blake shaping 53.7% of the time. He was 9 for 8, uh, I'm sorry, 8 for 19, 42.1% completion rate if you're keeping track at home, uh, 67 yards. That's 3, 3.5 yards per attempt. When blitzed, hmm. uh, they really got after Blake Chapin. Yeah. There were other games, though, when the blitz rate was high, um, right around 40% where eh, not so much. Uh, you know, against Washington, the bowl game was kind of hit or miss. Uh, Michael Penish got blitzed 39.3% of the time, 14 for 22, uh, 132 yards and a touchdown. But that's one of those things when you – yeah, and I think that's kind of – I think that just shows you the 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 combination of PK being able to match fronts with coverages, we talked about just how bad it was in twenty one, mm-hmm. and it got a lot better last year. But I think that reinforces how bad it was the year before, and how much further they've got to go to really get that that synchronicity mm-hmm. with their fronts and coverages.
2: Yeah. No, I I well, I don't think they want to have to worry as much about synchronizing the front and the coverages, just because I do think they want to play more man coverage, yeah. which is why that makes sense. If they want to blitz more, you're going to be playing man He's coverage on the back. Behind yeah, exactly. So that, it, it kind of aligns with what Sark has been saying for the, the last, you know, year or so that, hey, man, I want to play more man coverage. So they want to be able to apply pressure by blitzing. To them, That I guess that's how you solve, they want to solve the the sack issue two, in two different ways. They want to attack it in two different ways, I should say. Maybe, actually, I take that back. It may be multi, uh, kind of a multi-pronged uh, approach. But they they want to blitz more. Maybe that's how you get home, get to the quarterback, right? Just blitz, bring more guys. They want to play more bump-and-run coverage on the outside. They believe disrupting the timing of the routes would work as well, force the quarterback to hold on to the ball just a half a second longer. Um, And also, getting back to my theory about Sadat, Come up with, like you said, the exotics. Uh, come up with some unconventional looks, something that they don't see a lot at this level. Yes, still pretty much the same roles, responsibilities, and coverages, but just the different look packaged differently. That'll force these quarterbacks to look at it differently and hold on to the ball, and yeah. maybe you can get home. So I do think ultimately they're just trying to, turn to convert those pressures into sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas last year was top five in the country in pressures, but – out of all the, you go look at the top ten teams in pressures nationally. Uh, they had the second fewest sacks out of that group. Yeah. So they want to just convert them more into sacks, and I think th- I think they will. I think they will, but they know they can't just have one approach to try to remedy that issue.
0: Yeah, because other than Byron Murphy, I don't know that you have. You don't got a true pass. Yeah, you don't have guys that no. can just create that organically. You got to manufacture it. Um, so. Good conversation on that. I just uh, it's kind of been swimming through my head yeah. thinking about that and reading about the double eagle flex and uh, you know hybrid players and we talk about positionless football. That's where you want to go. It's just it's a it's a unique hire. We talked a lot about the Paul Christ hire and rightfully so. It is unique uh, and even Jody Camillus because I think he's a name that a lot of people who watch football, even if you're kind of on the periphery watching football, you at least have heard that name. That name's you know, when you're a. Super Bowl, you're a coordinator on the Super Bowl champion. Your name gets thrown out there a lot, so uh, that he, he's a name that I think a lot of people are familiar with. But uh, Payam Sadat I didn't get talked about a lot, but uh, I'm really intrigued by that hire for Sark. Uh, yeah. I did. I did want to talk about roster construction, and, and I wanted to approach it from from this standpoint. Uh, you know, we talked we talked a lot about Tom Herman introduced the the label of a transition class, and I I liked it because I was like, yeah, it's, it makes sense. It's an appropriate label. Yes, like, I agree with that. Um, yeah.
2: That's the first time you're. I didn't even know that's that's where you heard it for the first time. That's, what, yeah,
0: that's where I heard it for the first time. I like that um, time. I hadn't heard it before yeah. then. But you look mm-hmm. at uh, the trend, and Texas really has had some successful transition classes. You look at 98 class yep. that Mack pretty much inherited from John Makovic, uh, Ahmad Brooks, Mike Williams. Uh, you good. had some really good, really good pieces. That's and I, even good. guys like. Um, you know, like a like a Bo Baker was in that class. Oh, yeah. And you, you had started, guys that yeah. were you, you had most the four the first. four guys from Texas City with Everett Rawls and oh, Tyrone you Jones. Three starters out of that. Group Hill, Jermaine Anderson, yeah, and, guys that yeah. Uh, they weren't NFL players, but they were just good, solid players. They didn't hurt you.
2: I agree. You know, no, that, and a couple of those got started for multiple
0: years yeah. for you. And yeah. I think there were some of these where some of the guys in in this current Texas class were where, man, by your second, third year, the staff just recruited better players and and. You got passed up on the, the transfer
2: portal for
0: it happens. God bless the uh, portal. You know that 2014 class going from, from Mac to Charlie. Deontay Foreman was in that class. Mm. And Andrew Beck, Elijah Rodriguez, Puna Ford was in that class. Hey, had some really good players in that class. failed players. Uh, even, even a guy like Gerard Hurd was a good culture guy to have around. Mm. So it wasn't. It was by no means a waste. But then uh, you look at uh, the class from Tom to Charlie. Sam Ellinger's in that class. Quan Graham is in that class. Josh Thompson's in that class. Uh, T- Herman brought in Sam Cosme and Derek mm-hmm. Kerstetter and Gary Johnson. So oh, yeah. Transition classes at Texas have actually been pretty good. They're important. And gentlemen, dare I say, the trend continues going into year three. We always talk about year three being a critical year. The only guy in the transition class that Sark actually brought in that's still in the program that was a Sark recruit was Xavier Thanks, man.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
0: but and you've had guys, you've had a lot of guys transfer, but think about the positions. And some of these guys, it was unfortunate, it was maybe some, some legal issues, uh, mm-hmm. some off field stuff. But your transfers JD Coffey, Ishmael Ibrahim, Jameer Johnson, DJ Harris, Jordan Thomas, Terrence Cooks, Jaden Alexis, uh, David Abiara, Keith Ron Lee, uh, and yeah, that's and Isaac Pearson. Uh, so most of those guys, that a pun, right? yeah, yeah, most <laughs> it was a pro I know kick guy. I know that. Most of those guys just got passed up on the depth chart mm-hmm. by yeah. by guys that were either transfer guys or guys that were in the class behind them. It.
2: Yeah, you're just churning out. He's supposed to churn out the roster. Literally, just try to upgrade every position. Yeah. Sark has done a good job of that.
0: And then now with the portal, it's just going to
1: be
2: easier. For that, yeah. Yeah.
0: But think about these guys and what Sark has already gotten out of these guys going into their third year. We already talked about Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, Maurice Blackwell, Byron Murphy, Hayden Connor, Juan Davis, Gunner Helm, Baron Sorrell, and Casey Kane.
1: Some of the core players. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, again, we talk about, Rod, the, the term I use for going with 21 going into t- uh, 22. Re- figure out how you can repurpose guys. Just, just, hey, maybe this guy's not ideally what I want, but he's what I've got. How can I get the most out of this guy? What, what, what can I do to re kind of just make him a useful piece? I just if you're taking up a scholarship, basically, if you, if you're Sark, you had to approach it with the mindset: Look, if you're taking up a scholarship, I can't just have you sitting on the bench taking up a scholarship. Yep. You, gotta do, you, gotta you got
2: to do you got to do something. Yeah, no, you got to pull your weight. And even you know, if
0: you're just a great practice squad player, like you got you got to do something to contribute well, to this team.
2: Well, otherwise, and I'm I need gonna, to find out what it is. Otherwise, I'm going to recruit over you. Yeah, That's just the reality of it. That's yeah. the, I mean, the free market has hit college sports and. There are some great parts of it, I think, more good than bad, but there are some bad parts of it that, you know, sorry, some of these guys who thought they were destined for this level of play, mm-hmm. you ain't. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, you, that's just a reality. But I, I will say, and I still think that, you know, hell, 247 probably already does it, but somebody needs to do it where and – and, and 247 Sports does a really good job of kind of keeping up with the transfers. But I'm telling you, every school should have – their own database where they keep up with where their transfers go.
0: Yeah, we keep track of that twenty four seven. We've got and it's
2: and right. if you if you if you could tell, I'm telling you because if I was schools, I'm starting. To, I would brag about man when I guy's transfer. Eight seventy percent of our guys go power five. Yeah, still fifty. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you come here, um, you're going to end yeah, up finishing like, yeah, somewhere like, yeah, good. Just so you know, it may not work out here because now we're seeing more and more. It you know, it, things don't work out, and that's fine. You have multiple options, but I'd be part of my pitch would be man, seventy percent of our guys still go and play, uh, you know, G five or power five football. Um, you aren't falling off. Yeah, you know, what I mean, because. I think there are a lot of guys that are falling through the cracks with the transfer. You want me a to run it
0: down? Because I've got, I've got the running list right here. Uh, Jaden Alexis to USF. Brennan Thompson to OU. Derek Brown to Texas State. Travell Johnson to ULM. Those are two guys that didn't play a ton. Uh, let's see, Ishmael Ibrahim and Ajay Hall, nowhere yet. Uh, Ovia Gofu transferred to LSU. So he's on another me. power five is,
2: Yeah, I know. Well, come on.
0: Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, Texas, and LSU. LSU? Yeah.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm going to quit hating on Novia. Go for it. Yeah, I just was just wondering if, if you know have eight to years of
0: eligibility. Of <laughs> but here's, here's where it gets interesting, though. Logan Parr to SMU. Junior angula to Oregon. Uh, Isaac Pearson, the punter, Rod, that you forgot he was on the roster. SMU. It's not yeah. a bad, not a bad no, G5 program. Exactly. No. Uh, Troy O'Meary to Arizona State. Prince Dorba to Arizona State. Jameer Johnson to Indiana. Yeah. yeah DJ Harris awful. to USF. Andre Carrick to Tennessee. Hudson Card to Purdue. Devin Richardson, who barely played at Texas, ended up transferring to Washington State. J.D. Coffey, who didn't play, is going to San Diego State. Jalen Garth to U of H. So. It, it's,
2: a, it's a healthy way to judge your roster turnover and attrition. Attrition now it's inevitable with every roster. We used mm-hmm. to keep up with it and talk about how bad it was pre-transfer portal. Yep. Now transfer portal, it's inevitable. But it's all about the type of attrition, and that's healthy attrition when yep. guys are going from a Power Five program to a Power Five program or to a G Five program. It's not healthy attrition when guys are dropping down subs- a substantially lower level, mm-hmm. or they're just getting lost in the weeds. So it's kind of like you know they always say in social media that like seventy-five percent of people keep up with their exes. You know, via social media, they cyber stalk them. Nothing wrong with it. I ain't judging you if you do that, Um, but it is a healthy way. If your exes are doing really well. If you ain't got an ex that's a crackhead or in jail, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. They got, or got three or four baby daddies already or they stabbed some dude or whatever. <laughs> hey, you know what? You got a good picker. You yeah. select very good human beings the to be a potential keep. partner. And I think this, it's the same thing here. Like Texas has very good taste in athletes because somebody else, even when they decide to transfer, decides, no, no, no he can't make the Texas roster, but he is damn sure going to be a, a great addition to our roster. So, you know, I'm not encouraging you to cyberstalk your exes. But it, if they're doing well, that's a that's a good reflection on you.
0: I'll equate att- attrition to cholesterol. Like I'm pushing forty, so I've had to do some blood work and get some things explained to me by the doctor that I hadn't thought about before. <laughs> there's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, if you if you yeah. got good cholesterol, it's cholesterol, but it's good. It's serving a purpose. It's, it's processing true. your blood. There bad you cholesterol, I don't want that. I got to eliminate that, and mm-hmm. and it's just you know forget about that. But this is a. Uh, a lot of good cholesterol it is. in this Texas program. No, I,
2: I I'm I've been transitioned to it and I'm like man it's really healthy for Texas right now the attrition. Now yeah. Like I said, I, I, I haven't paid attention to other programs. I'm sure that they have similar rates like that, but that means Texas is at least selecting guys who are worthy of playing at the Power 5 level. There's not some huge whiffs on these players. Oh, who know, most of them, yeah. like you said, Jeff, they can't, they can't even see the field at Texas.
1: Yeah, and pre-transfer portal was when we would talk about the bad attrition, but nowadays it's a two-way street where, like, mm. when you're taking kids in with the portal, that's what's causing a lot of these kids to purge out of the portal. So as long as you continue to get all these top-end transfers to fill gaps, you can afford to have those whenever you're still sending out P5 guys. And I don't
0: know why it's not showing up on our database. I thought I'd change that. But uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, I know in the spring he was at Marshall.
2: Oh, that's good too. That's yeah, a nice spot. Good football culture. Charles Huff, damn good. Yeah. Um. No, that's good. That's, scoring a, a, lot of points. that's a good part. That's what I'm saying. If I'm Texas, you know, get the stats on it, John yeah. Bianca. Oh, you listen, Uh, get the stance (laughs) on it and start promoting that. I mean, to me, that's a reality when you start recruiting. I was like, nah, guys, trust me, Texas, y'all taking care of, even if you decide this ain't the spot, there's a very likelihood you're going to land on your feet.
0: Yeah, you've got, I'm not going to throw. guys
2: land on their feet. I'm not going to throw them (laughs)
0: under the bus, but like I'm going back to the 2019 transfer cycle. Um, Ooh. Texas uh, had one kid that it says transfer to, and it's just got a schoolhouse icon, which means he went to Division Two. It means we don't have that school's logo in the database. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, logo not in database. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, that shouldn't
1: be those stories.
2: Those
0: if stories should not happen. And if you were that transfer back then, and you still got a question mark by your transfer destination, that means you didn't transfer yeah. anywhere. You were done, done with the game. Yeah, so. that's not hey, man, that's, that's bad. Uh, that's bad cholesterol. That's mm-hmm. bad, some bad cholesterol.
2: Bad cholesterol. I
0: got I got my share of bad cholesterol, but I got some good. That's a good
2: cholesterol one. Too. I like that. You're right about the the bad cholesterol is a good one. That's uh, a good analogy. Like by the way, I'm not
0: like I don't have like diabetes or anything. It's or you, just, you get close to four, you know how it is, Rod? You get close your to four. Your body is turning against you. Yeah, you got that yeah, uh, that checklist against. of things you got to do. Your body
2: is turning. Your body is no longer. Your, your, ad, your advocate. I got my, got, my, yeah. got my
0: colonoscopy out of the way a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, that's smart. There you should do that. I need to
2: start doing that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. I'm going I'm to get a full workup probably later on this year. You should. Do it all. Get poked, prodded, and all that stuff. All you that should. inappropriate
0: stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like
1: inappropriate stuff.
2: Inappropriately
0: I, appropriate. I like the way that this roster has come together. And maybe the best thing you can say about it maybe it happened one year under Tom Herman. I know it never happened under Charlie that I could think about. And it happened under Mac where you were given just a bunch of specialist scholarships. I mean, Sark, Sark got the new guys on campus and they had a full complement of 85 scholarships on campus when everybody came back for summer workouts. Hmm. And it's not like there's a bunch of just wasted scholarships in there. Like there's some really damn good players in there. No, I
2: mean, it's uh, like I said, he's got the the culture right now is is really it it seems really positive and really good. And I'll give Sark a lot of credit from what I've heard behind the scenes. Guys want to be here. Yeah. Guys want to be at Texas. And that's why Sark's like, if you hit the transfer portal, don't come back. Really? Yeah, but He has stated on the record With this day mm-hmm. and age It's like Oh man Don't be saying that out loud mm-hmm. There may be exceptions to that No bro. more Casey Thompson If was Hit the transfer portal See what's going on and come back, It's okay Alright Don't be yeah. saying that But I think he's confident That nah man Everybody here wants to be here I ain't forcing nobody to be here yeah. that's It's it's a good life I've actually You know I've, I've constructed A great football culture here And it's fun And it's Right for the guys You know It's very rewarding for them In a lot of ways Straight cash home me, but also you know obviously socially all that kind of stuff and he's confident because i think malik murphy's a prime example hey man i'm sure teams straight up told him even though yes it was tampering but he was straight up told man you can basically start yeah for these other teams if you do this and he decided no, I'm, I'm, I'm here in texas i'm fine here
0: i think a lot of people took what sark said about that and obviously you know kind of took it out of context and, and what i mean by that is like you don't think you don't think Sart gave like Ajay Hall plenty of chances to get his stuff together before he's like, look, I, I just can't do it anymore. Like you, you gotta go, and then there's no, there's there's not another chance for you. Yeah. He'll make exceptions for guys that are really talented. Everybody does that. He's like, well, that's that might not be fair. Well, guess what? Life ain't fair. I know that's what I'm well, saying, like, in, but don't be saying it
2: out loud. Then don't be saying that because if you hear Logan enough, it will happen to you. And we, <laughs> and we I mean, <laughs> we've seen of time before. It happens to you. I and we it.
1: saw it reported. Like, he took uh, those Bama guys that were Bama guys that he maybe had pre existing recruiting relationships with, but who had trouble in Bama, which is why they left Bama to then come here strictly well, because Bama receipts, he was though, giving man. them. Yeah, because, well, I mean, it was Billingsley, uh, Giant Hall.
2: Rugs. Oh, yeah. Jameson yeah. just got. Well, Jameson's is
1: a little minor thing. He ain't in no rugs. Calvin did. Ridley. Yeah.
0: Ridley, yeah. yeah, he just bet on some. bet on some football. <laughs> it's
2: like three of them, though. I mean, well, like, but, but one
0: killed a dude. One's him. way bigger you know, than. I- but I'm yes. just
2: saying they I'm obviously I'm not comparing uh, Gared, the, the, the issues, the transgressions. I'm yes. just saying yeah, there's a they big, seem to be getting in trouble a lot right. lately. Yes. And we can all agree more. there's <laughs> a big difference between yes.
0: doing Henry Ruggs doing what he did and a Jai Hall removing yes. a boot from his car. Yes. That's an apples and pomegranates comparison, yes. but
2: saying, in under the yeah. umbrella,
0: when under the are, umbrella of off-field transgressions, it still fits. I'm just yes. saying
2: when they're yes. at the Alabama, Nick Saban keeps them in line. Yes. Yeah, when they leave Alabama, they seem to you know, go off the path. But I think,
0: Rod, right, to, to your <laughs> point. Which is
2: why I think when the two that came culture here. culture is what we're talking about here yeah. is what I want to get back to. I, they I, got well, a little
1: bit of a second chance here, but also it was a cut the string pretty quick if you still are messing up when you get and, here, And you yeah. kind of yeah. just it's made. Yeah,
0: you kind of just made my point for me, Rod, right a minute ago. I, I think if you're Sark, you can say that publicly because the way you. And you're confident in the roster you've built and that you continue to build where, dude, if you want to transfer, that's fine. Um, I've got two or three more behind you that are just as good. As they've been waiting their mm-hmm. opportunity. So if you don't want to be here, then you know, hey, we'll part. We'll part friends, shake hands, and yep. you know, I wish you the best in your future endeavors. But I ain't gonna sweat it.
2: Yep. No, you're right. I mean, that's, I think he's just he's confident in his culture and good for him. He's and good
0: for him. Uh, I did do a quick uh, search in the Google machine about what you're talking about a minute ago with Pete Carroll uh, and his interactions with Bill Walsh. It actually came in a really critical time in Pete Carroll's career. I would
2: say it was right after his NFL, first NFL. He would gotten fired by the Jets Jets, as the head coach.
0: And then he went to San Francisco and was George Seifert's defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. The second year he was there, that 96 season, Bill Walsh came back to the 49ers. I think he was an administrative assistant was his yeah. title, but he's Bill Walsh. You can get him the, go in the facility, do whatever the hell he you yeah, want. much. So, and that's kind of where, yeah. like I said, it was a he, critical time for Pete Carroll. To
2: change said But he basically claims that Bill Walsh, you know, even some of the master of football schemes, was a culture guy more than anything. Yeah. Above all the schemes and everything. So you mm-hmm. got to get the culture right. The culture's not right. The, scheme, it's a the scheme and the talent don't matter. It'll fail you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you said Mike Shanahan's told you the same thing. Mike Shanahan's big on football. that. But,
2: but Mike Shanahan's always said, I don't worry about culture. I take care of it early on. He said, if I hire the right people, I put a lot of time and I put a lot of due diligence into people that I hire. He's got a really good coaching tree, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But people I hire, he said, because if I hire good people, the culture takes care of itself. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, I just hire really good people. Your foundation. Who care about, yeah, who care about relationships, who care mm. about being respectful, who care about all the things that, it, that he values. Like, if I kind the write people and I do my research, I'm talking to reference, I'm talking to people, like who has he been an a-hole with when he was at his lowest, all right? I want to know how he acts. When he's on top of the mountain, I need to know how he acts yeah. and how he treats people. And once I get that, oh, I'll hire the guy. And the culture will take care of itself because yeah. the yeah. people they 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 keep a good life. Like their their life is great culture, right? You, yes, you, you know what I mean it's the way you treat people. It's about how you respond in adversity. All those things, right? That uh, that are bigger than football. And he said, once I find that the, the culture is fine. He said the problem with people don't put that much time into who they hire. They hire the best guy for the job. It's like, well, best guy for the job may be an a hole and a tea yeah. bag, yeah. yeah. and he may come in and toxify your culture. You want that?
0: No. It's like you remember well, Max reboot, right? That was. Talking about an all-star staff, was. that was basically Matt getting a blank check and saying, I want this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Yep. You pretty much hired the best that you could have hired. Yep. yep. And they were great. They still, after they left Texas, they still need to be the Brian Harson was a head coach. Major yep. Appowit's been a head coach. Manny it Diaz is. has been a head coach. Yeah, <laughs> but couple the culture that was
2: so bad. Yeah. The culture that was so toxic. We know oh, yeah. Mac, Mac had his open door policy uh, was no longer intact at that point. He was inaccessible to even his own coaches at that point. Texas had hit a toxified culture, and didn't matter how much. Didn't matter about the talent. None of that stuff yeah. mattered. You had a bad culture. Nobody. There were, there were coaches that didn't want to be there. There were players that didn't want to be there. Brian Harson
0: couldn't wait to leave. Yeah.
2: Brownson couldn't, you know, just just didn't have access to Mac Brown all the time. Well, it wasn't wasn't an open door where I go. Hey, man, he said he came from a, you know, a Boise State culture where hell, man, the coaches hung out every day. It was such a small, you know, community. PK
0: was a part of that Boise culture.
2: Yeah, they hung out all the time. Like this, they call. I mean, they talked all the time. Families hung out all the time. So yeah, I, I always had access to all the coaches. With Texas, it was like administration, like. I'm making a point? What? Whoa, <laughs> whoa! Well, 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 where you going? You, I, I, I want to talk about something. Yeah. I got disappointment. Well, and there, I mean, yeah, talk. That
1: reminds me of like what what it, you heard from like say the Russell Wilson stuff. Whenever you had to have like his people, yeah yeah <laughs> like Richard Sherman room. had to reach out and be like, oh well, I don't know if I can text him. I got to go through his you know you personal assistant first. Yeah, yeah, but when you're talking about culture and all the you know coaches being. Like knowing the foundation's based with good people, and we're talking about how Sark sort of changed it, and it makes sense when you compare it to, like, say, the last regime where you would have like the coach not even saying hello to players or whatever. You, you know, know that? like those are the type of things mm-hmm. that is a big difference, a big one eighty.
0: You know, Rod, I know, I know you like that, uh, that Bill Walsh coaching tree. And there's a lot of coaches that I like off that Bill Walsh coaching tree. There's a lot of coaches off the Parcells tree that I really dig. Yeah, uh, but, just, but yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson's, you know, kind of his own thing, and I, I oh, it might have been in this, it, it, it might. Been in his football life documentary, but he—I think it was—he was talking to Bill Belichick about
1: yeah, when, when
0: Jason Garrett got the Cowboys job, mm-hmm. and Jimmy said he said the one thing I told him is he said you better know he said the one thing you got to do above all else as a head coach you better know everybody in your building he said because trust me that third string safety that might be on the practice squad and you go up and direct uh, address him by name and he didn't even know that you knew he existed, mm-hmm. he said that's a hell of a lot impor- more important than those X's and O's.
2: Uh, ain't, ain't no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Unless you're yeah. a kicker, because then yeah. Jimmy will just say No, no, that's here. a great point, though. If you don't know that person, you could end, end up having someone in the organization like a Jack used to be. You hired him cause for something else, and then look what that dude did to the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. One guy Yeah, turned like the entire fan base against him, players against him, and then, no, I guess Deshaun Watson leaving. That was uh, a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: what <laughs> had happened yeah. was... You got
2: to know your guys. <laughs> Exactly, the organization became essentially uh, an embarrassment and a fustercluck, all because you hired just the wrong guy. Sometimes it's the wrong fit for that organization too. So I, I, I Sark's doing a good job. Is our point? Like he's actually, cons- I think he's considering all that. He's a Bill Walsh guy. You no, know, know what I mean West Coast that kind of stuff.
0: When you're the head coach of Texas, like you, especially at a blue blood program, like you, you got to know everybody. Because trust me, the one, the one booster or the one high school coach or the one, uh, you know. Rich guy down the street, whoever it is, mm-hmm. that you don't know their name and you slight them, that's the stuff that comes back to bite you, man. Tom Herman.
2: Yeah, 100%. Tom Herman. Right? Do we need to say one? He did.
0: In, and yeah. in the bottom line, man, when people want to know, well, how did Tom Herman get fired? Because at the end, there was... Nobody No allies Nobody stood up For Tom Herman yeah. Not players None of the players No, fans, none of their no
2: boosters, boosters Stars That's why Mac used to Walk hand in hand With boosters Every practice He had a hey, different on, old, old rich guy you I mean, Joe But he was helping us And helping them He was like you know, do you do you know? hey, know, Let me introduce you To this guy He's yeah. our part, Fortune 500 CEO He loves Texas And he loves you guys too And you guys love him Say what's up Make, yep. Take his hand And these, when you're done these, In Texas, Texas so You
1: work for that guy yeah, You're his personal
2: assistant It might
0: seem like Small potatoes but but even as a, like as a media member, it's a lot. It's a lot different when a coach addresses you by name yes, when he's answering a question okay. than a guy that you just feel like is just up there just occupying time.
2: Agreed, mm-hmm. and that's why most you coaches know. try to do it. Yeah, yeah, I
0: agree. Um, there was, oh, but you know, with the with the Tom thing, real quick, you realize like when he got fired, there were no, I don't remember any of his former players on Twitter like, oh, this is an outrage! I can't believe this. There were some guys that thanked him for the opportunity, but there wasn't. A swarm of guys that were just rushing to his defense.
2: And Charlie had more guys. Charlie? To no, the yeah, defense. for sure. Because Charlie at least. Cared, game he cared
1: about people, he just didn't win. Speaking of.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is also reason to be fired at Tech. And that, that's why win. it went 180 the now other say, way. We can say We all love Charlie Strong, but. Tom
1: Herman <laughs> won, but didn't care about people. It's yeah, like we need 180. need both.
0: You need both. It's like, that re- it's like that really good relationship you had that was fun, but you knew. You know, that person wasn't wife or husband material. It's like, oh, we're going to have fun, but Mm. I know how this is going to end. Well, we both know how this is going to end. But you know what? Let's just see what happens. Yeah. And it ends in a fiery disaster. One for the ride. With players stealing the media meal at the press conference and trying to boy threatening <laughs> to boycott games and ah, thank God we're in a better place. Uh all right. That's going <laughs> I hate to leave the podcast on that note, but it's that's right. where we are right now. Matt, thanks for everything, man. More than welcome. Rod yeah. B, appreciate the time and the knowledge.
2: Anytime, brother, anytime.
0: For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 1019 AM twelve sixty. Streaming on that horn app and at hornfm.com where you get Rod B each and every weekday. With my cards on Bald on Life from 3 to 7. Same as plug. You also get myself and Craig Way on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7. That's the numbers two four seven, No dashes, slashes, or spaces. Squeeze it all together. Find it. Click the follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howell. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again.